freedom to see whoever you want is not necessarily only an outpatient thing, but it's also inpatient. So if you land in a hospital and need bypass surgery because you just had a heart attack, theoretically, you may not have access to all the surgeons that are available even within that hospital. Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. You can see it. I mean, it's crystal clear. It's going to really revolutionize things. Which is a big game changer. All information discussed or provided by Jonathan Bakhtari, MD, Dr. Bakhtari, and or his affiliates and guests are for educational purposes only. The information discussed and provided is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical concern or condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of any information discussed or provided by Dr. Bakhtari or his affiliates and guests. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call 911 immediately. Hi, welcome to another episode of Bakhtari MD. I'm Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari, and today I want to talk to you about health insurance. Uh, it's open enrollment time, and a lot of us are struggling about how to proceed and make the right decisions for ourselves, for our family, for our children. And, you know, there's a lot, a lot of confusion, a lot of complexities in picking the right insurance plan. And I want to really talk about this so you can approach this decision from a place of knowledge and information, because what I'm about to share with you doesn't necessarily tell you what decision to make. It just helps inform you so when you do make a decision, you're basing it on all the facts. And let's start off with the biggest issue, which is HMO versus PPO. I think this is something a lot of people struggle with because, you know, the lore of an HMO is often, you know, better in terms of economics. And PPO is often better, obviously, for many other things such as choice, uh, a variety of options and what have you. So what I want to compartmentalize is broadly what an HMO versus a PPO is in the most broadest sense. I mean, within plans, there's different grades and different deductibles and all of that. But let's just put that out on the side for a second. What I want to talk about is when you choose an HMO, it's generally cheaper. Now, why is an HMO generally cheaper? The way HMOs are able to provide you with a product at less price is obviously because they cut some things out. What do they cut out, broadly speaking? Broadly speaking, what they cut out is often your choice, your choice to pick a doctor, and often your choice in determining what is medically necessary. And often that choice is also removed from you and your doctor about what is medically necessary. So you have to understand that the way the health insurance is able to cut costs on an HMO is by doing those things in broadly speaking. One, they limit the number of physicians you can see, which in itself sh you would think shouldn't be cheaper, but it is because the, the doctors that you are going to be able to see are going to be managed differently. In an insurance plan, often doctors are either employees of the insurance plan or even if they're contracted, the way they're compensated, incentivized, 
and monitored is by looking at their utilization. So those doctors may or may not have certain incentives to be cost-effective in managing your care, which, by the way, sometimes can be good. We certainly don't want excess as an over-testing and what have you. And also, they serve as a gatekeeper to often try to handle things which maybe a normal primary care doctor in a PPO would not want to take the extra time with to make sure you don't run off to a a high price specialist when, in fact, it could be managed by your primary doctor. So it's all the cost savings are not necessarily bad in the sense that they're, if you want to use the analogy, they're cutting some of the fat. Uh, I think what happens is, depending on the HMO or the particular situation, there's a fine line between you know, cutting the fat and and cutting into the bone, which is, you know, cutting back too much. So I think when you sign up for an HMO and you get a lower price, what you're in in essence doing is giving a lot or some of the control back to the HMO and taking it away from you and potentially even your doctor. Because in a lot of standard non-HMOs, you and your doctor, for the most part, pick what's medically necessary, what's appropriate, often what medication. But when you go to an HMO, they will limit your care to what they determine is medically necessary. And then even on the uh, the pharmacy side, they have a limited formulary, uh, which often includes cheaper drugs within every category often. And only after you have gone through the hierarchy from cheapest off and most expensive, can you get access to some of those other drugs? So I think all things being equal, you have to understand for the most part, when you pick an HMO, you're consciously deciding to get less of a product, not in terms of medical care, but some of those other intangibles for a lower price. I, I mean, the way I'd like to serve it up, for the most part, if an HMO cost the same thing as a PPO, nobody would ever pick an HMO. So you have to understand when you pick an HMO for the most part, you're picking it because you value the economic advantage of having an HMO, meaning you're going to pay less ideally. So I don't think anyone should fool themselves in saying, oh, I'm an HMO person. I like HMO because there are severe downsides. And even, you know, some of the good sides of an HMO where they make sure excessive care is not given and excessive procedures aren't done, you know, you could probably get that same benefit in a PPO plan if you picked the right doctors and did your homework and, you know, were a little bit diligent. So some someone could make the argument that you can get all of the benefits that a PPO give you, meaning the benefits in terms of excessive procedures, excessive tests, excessive visits, uh, and you know unnecessary high uh, or expensive prescriptions when there was a cheaper one. So uh, those are all potentially you know potential things that could happen. Uh, yes, and an HMO will definitely do a better job potentially at that. But you could theoretically, in, given the right skill sets and, and the right doctors, you could theoretically capture that without giving up some of the autonomy. 
And getting back to this idea of picking your doctors too, you have to understand with an HMO, often that HMO is confined to a certain geography, a certain location, or cert- and within a geography, maybe a certain set of doctors. So um, if you wind up wanting to go to a world-class medical center for a particular problem, you want to go to Stanford, Harvard, UCLA, uh, it may be that your HMO is not going to allow you to go. Now, if you're healthy and nothing is going on, you're probably thinking, well, what the heck, you know, uh, I'm, I'm okay with never going to an Ivy League medical place. Uh, but God forbid, if you do get a rare complication and you need a bone marrow transplant, a liver transplant, or anything very complex, you may want the option of going to one of these major, major institution, MD Anderson for cancer. These are options that often you're taking off the table, not always, but often when you decide to go with an HMO. And so what I'm here to tell you is I'm your advocate. I'm not saying you shouldn't sign up for an HMO. I'm simply saying if you do, you should know what you're taking off the table potentially. Not all HMOs are the same. Some are different. Some you can appeal. Some you can make a case for it. But it won't be as simple as if you were not in an HMO. And you need to understand that. You know, far too often I hear people who come down with something very rare and they're relatively young, uh, but they're stuck with an HMO. And they say to me, oh, you know, if only I knew, if only I knew how restrictive this was, I would have never signed up for it. But again, that's easier said than done when you're young or middle-aged and healthy and have no issues and you're looking at two bills, you know, you know, one, you know, hundreds of dollars more a month, potentially maybe more than the other one and saying I'm healthy, nothing's going on with me. Well, why not choose the cheaper one? But again, that's okay. I mean, the cheaper one's always better if you never get sick and never need something complex and never need the ability to make your choice of where to go and what to have. So I think you need to understand that. And as long as you do, then an HMO might be the right thing for you. So let's move on and just talk about PPOs. Now, PPOs come in all shapes and flavors and and combinations. But Again, I'm speaking only broadly, and and there are hybrids and what have you. But, uh, you know, I think the way PPOs approach it is, and I think you have to be careful for PPOs too, is you wind up having large, large potential deductibles that you have to get through before you get there and what have you. But generally speaking, PPOs will offer you a wider selection of physicians. um, And depending on your PPO, you may be able to go uh, you know, out of your geographical area into other states and what have you. So you have a lot of benefits that you may not. And yes, while the insurance company may review some of the tests that you are ordered for you, what have you, by and large, more of the medical decision making is between you and the doctor uh, as opposed to, you know, some bureaucrat sitting in an insurance company uh, who doesn't know you. So you know, I, I'm going to go out on the limb and say, if you had an option for a PPO and HMO, putting aside that some PPOs can have very large deductibles, but let's put that aside and, you know, equal that out. The only time to really pick an HMO is if 
the finances are a huge part of your decision making. It's just like anything else. When you go buy a car, you could buy a Mercedes, you could buy a Chevrolet. I think if a Mercedes and a Chevrolet cost the same thing, I think almost it's fair to say everyone would pick a Mercedes for the most part. So I don't think there's this delusion that somehow HMOs are, you know, better for certain people and, and PPOs are better for others. I think you just have to make a decision, you know, in terms of economics, because not everyone can afford whatever high price PPOs are out there. But you have to understand a lot of times if medical care is important to you and if something were to happen to you and you want to have more choices, more options, more control, if that's important for you, then, you know, PPO might be a better decision, especially if you can make the economics work. So in summarizing some of the sort of pitfalls of an HMO, again, I think we talked about taking control away from you and your doctor. I think what that would look like is, for example, pre-authorization. If you need a certain procedure done, you know, the decision often may not be just between you and the doctor that you need this done, that the insurance company will pre-authorize. Many their medical directors or their people will sit there and say, well, um, you know, we don't think this is medically necessary because of whatever. And they will supersede your doctor's decision. So that's number one. Often, the doctor who they've contracted with or employ is incentivized, you know, not to uh, do too many tests, too many procedures. So between those two things, between the doctor being reticent often, especially if something's on the fence, as well as even if he or she's willing to authorize it or order it, it still needs to go past another hurdle. So that, that, is much more classic in an HMO than a PPO. Although certain things are still authorized in a PPO also, but not to the extent it is in an HMO. Um, so I think you understand this, this concept of pre-authorization. The other thing I hit really upon on is your formulary for drugs is going to be severely limited. And if you need some of the newer, potentially higher priced drug, again, you will possibly need pre-authorization much more so than if you were in a PPO setting. The other thing I mentioned too earlier is the gatekeeper phenomenon. So one of the main ways HMOs are able to save costs is they control which specialists you can or cannot see often. And to get to see an endocrinologist or rheumatologist, you can't directly go to them. You would have to go to your primary care doctor. He or she would have to decide that they themselves have exhausted what they can do for that issue and that it warrants a specialist. So those primary care doctors may or may not be the ideal person to take care of that issue given the complexity and what have you, but certainly in an HMO or PPO, they're going to potentially try to manage it themselves and potentially block you from seeing a specialist and you know while potentially that might be good so you don't unnecessarily see specialists uh it can also delay you from seeing a specialist uh when the condition warrants so that can work both ways uh, the other really important thing about hmos you have to understand is when you get into the hospital 
many HMOs have contracted out with hospitals group, which means they have a set of doctors who are going to be uh, incentivized to get to take good care of you, but they're also be incentivized to make sure that your care is, is very efficient and that you, your utilization in the hospital is, you can sometimes say appropriate, but all, uh, otherwise you can say uh, efficient, which means that uh, they're going to be very potentially very concerned about your length of stay, how many specialists you see, uh, what kind of procedures you get in the hospital, what has to be done in the hospital, what can wait for you to get out. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think it's any secret that people who often are in managed care facilities get discharged potentially earlier, uh, maybe appropriate, maybe not, but that certainly efficiency is there. Now, some of that is built in efficiencies because, you know, HMOs have extra resources to get you out quicker and manage you quicker. But that's, you know, not always the case. And so you have to understand that when you get into, uh, when you get hospitalized and you have an HMO, sometimes that can mean that you get a level of care that's slightly different potentially uh, because they're there not only to take care of you, but to manage their resources effectively. And how that impacts you is, you know, potentially variable. But even in the hospital, potentially, the range of doctors you could see um, may also be limited by who who in that hospital on staff is also uh, under contract by your insurance plan. So even within a hospital, there may be three heart doctors that, you know, are all good, but potentially you may only be able to see one out of the three if that one is contracted with your HMO and the other two are not. So giving up freedom to see whoever you want is not necessarily only an outpatient thing, but it's also inpatient. So if you land in a hospital and need bypass surgery because you just had a heart attack, theoretically you may not have access to all the surgeons that are available even within that hospital, right? So you need to understand that, that you are not necessarily going to be able to pick from the entire staff, even at a hospital. So, And to make it potentially even worse, you may, you know, especially how you get, depending on how you get admitted to the hospital, you may not even get to pick the hospital of your choice if you're an HMO plan. So I think, you know, uh, so far it sounds like, you know, everything uh, I've been reviewing is negative about an HMO. It's not necessarily negative. You know, there's plenty of HMOs that give great care, plenty of HMO doctors that are fantastic, but you simply can't bury your head in the sand is, and say, oh, HMO, PPO, same care, less price, let's go with the lower one. You are giving up something. And maybe I'm willing to tell you straight out, but you are, you're giving up something. The only question is, what is it you're giving up? And just to get even a little more granular about your hospital stay, you have to understand if you're an HMO and you go to the emergency room, you know, often it may or may not be the emergency room doctor's decision to admit you, but even so, in many HMOs, they're actually going to talk to a contracted HMO doctor who can potentially then decide to 
admit you or refer you to a contracted facility that the HMO has for a low, lower level of care, like a nursing home or a rehab. So it won't always be just the emergency room doctor's decision whether to admit you or not, that if you're in an HMO, there will be some utilization done at even potentially at, at an ER level. So, you know, people think that when they give up some of their autonomy, it's just going to be an outpatient setting where they give up their autonomy with their doctor, where, yes, they and their doctor won't be able to make potentially all the decisions that someone else may have a say in it. But that also applies to pharmacy. That also applies when you go to the ER and whether you get admitted or where you get admitted to. Uh, And that also applies to your choice of doctors, not only in an outpatient setting, but even in an inpatient setting, you may have to give up some of that autonomy. The other thing you know you have to understand in an HMO, uh, what you also may be giving up is your access to a medical doctor often. More and more managed care facilities are using uh, physician assistant and nurse practitioners to address frontline concerns especially in an outpatient setting. And actually, surprisingly, also now maybe a little more in the inpatient setting. So you need to understand when you sign up for a PPO, you know, it may be you'll get to see an MD most of the time, or it may be that you will not get to see an MD most of the time. And potentially, it may not even be up to you if you do see an MD or a PA and nurse practitioner. Now, taking nothing away from nurse practitioners and PAs, uh, but, you know, the issue is not whether you should or should not see a PA or nurse practitioner. The question is, will you have a choice? Okay. And I think, you know, practically speaking, you may not. Maybe some HMOs will tell you 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 will have a choice. But often in certain situations where the rubber meets the road, those are the only people available or readily available in certain situations. So you have to scout that out because when you sign up for an HMO, you have to ask, will I actually see a medical doctor? And I think the argument you're going to get from HMOs is for most routine care, colds and sniffles and what have you, a PA and nurse practitioner is as good. And I won't argue with that. But the point is, do you have a choice? Let's say you don't want to see a nurse practitioner or a PA. What what are your choices? And even if you do have a choice in certain HMOs, broadly speaking, I think you're giving up some of that ability. Whereas in a private sector, when you sign up with a doctor, you can pretty much say, hey, will I be seeing you? And if he or she says no, then you say, okay, I'm going to go find another doctor where that's the person who I will be interfacing. And lastly, you know, When you sign up for an HMO and the care is delivered by a group of people who vary, you know, are you going to be able to get that longitudinal connection with a primary care doctor? Now, in some HMOs, that's true. You will always see, for the most part, the same clinicians, whether it's a PA, nurse practitioner, or MD, or DO. But I would say, as a generality, there's you know, more changeover and and uh, more interchanging of, of potential providers than there is in a PPO settings because you can control that. If you sign up for a PPO doctor and he's never or she's never the one to see you, 
Well, you know what? You could just move. Uh, but when you're in a PPO, until it's time to switch again, you may, you can't just pick up and go. So I think that ability to sort of vote with your feet, I think goes away until the next time your renewal comes up. You can't always you know vote with your feet in an HMO setting as you can with a PPO setting, where if you're not necessarily getting the care that you want in a PPO setting, often you have the ability more so than an HMO setting to literally vote with your feet. So um, the next thing I want to talk about is, um, you know, when you're trying to choose a plan, even for your company or, um, or if you're trying to choose for yourself, but even for a company, um, often you have to understand that, um, you know, most people do that by going to a broker. And a couple of things about brokers, um, generally brokers are incentivized by the commission they make uh, on the plan they sell you. And generally, uh, or often, HMO plans are very aggressive in in rewarding brokers to, um, to bring in plans. And also, since the plans are cheaper, they're, you know, it's an easier sell often for the brokers to sell a company or a business in a HMO plan because at the end of the day, if you can't sell your product because it's too expensive, you'd rather sell something that's cheaper that you think the person will buy or accept. So you have to be careful that when choosing a plan, there is a natural inclination just to use the cheapest one. If you are not, if you haven't watched this video, for example, and understand what you're giving up, and you say, well, I'm not really giving up anything, I'm just buying something similar, but a much lower price. So I think brokers themselves may not understand some of the things that people are giving up. And also, it's easier for them to sell a cheaper plan to a new business owner or to someone thinking of switching their company because uh, of the sticker shock potentially of a PPO. And the, but to be totally fair, uh, I think a lot of companies also realize that you know they don't want, want to provide a hardship for their employees in terms of signing up for a PPO. But I think a good good situation would be if if an employer offered a basket of things, some PPO, some HMO. But if, you're, if your employer is just basically offering an HMO, I know sometimes that comes from a good place because they're thinking, oh, I don't want to place a burden on my employees, especially if the employees have to pay their share of the insurance payments. Uh, so they think they're helping their employees. But, you know, uh, it's only a help if you never need the plan. But if you do need the plan, you may realize that that wasn't the, the plan for you. So before I end, I also want to talk about a PPO. Obviously, reading between the lines, I think you understand, depending on the PPO, depending on the deductible, not all PPOs are you know the same and not all HMOs are the same. But all things being equal, I think reading between the lines, I think you, you probably figure my position is that if you can afford it, uh, and you could afford the deductible and you can afford the payments, all things being equal, you know, you're probably going to have more flexibility with a PPO. Uh, having said that, there are some downsides, and I've alluded to it slightly in this video and in other videos. You know, if you get a PPO, yes, you may not have a gatekeeper and you could wind up walking into 
uh, you know, a GI, doctor's office, cardiologist, rheumatologist, endocrinologist. I mean, you could walk in potentially and make an appointment with all those people theoretically. And the question is, is, is that the best thing for you all the time? A lot of times, yes, but sometimes no. Sometimes you probably want a primary care doctor to handle that because if you go, I hate to use this analogy, but you know, if you go to Midas, uh, uh, what do you think they're going to tell you you need? They're going to tell you you need a new muffler. I mean, it's not <laughs> it's not like that in medicine, but on some level it is too. You know, if you shop a lot of specialists unnecessarily, you may get care or procedures that weren't necessarily right at that time. So you have to understand if you're going to get a PPO, you still need to have a great relationship with a primary care doctor who can advise you when it's time to you know, seek out a specialist. It, it, you know, if you use a PPO as a carte blanche just to randomly, you know, go to different specialists, um, then, you know, that potentially then could be a downside of a PPO. Then, you know, you might be better off in an HMO if you can't find a relationship with a primary care doctor uh, that has the whole picture, that knows you and gets to know you. You know, this idea of unnecessary visits, unnecessary tests, is also not good. So it's not all rosy for the P, uh, PPO side. You know, there's the there's the finances, the deductibles, and this sort of open access to a lot of different types of medical care, which you may or may not need. Thank you for listening. You can check out my website, jonathanbakhtariemd.com, to sign up for my newsletter. And you can watch this full episode over on my YouTube channel, Bakhtari MD, where you can leave questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes. As always, be well. Thank you. Thank you.